Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and I'm thrilled to welcome Pablo Lorraine, director of the new film Spencer, starring a fantastic Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, formerly known as Diana Spencer. Spencer is a surreal, sad, and wild movie. Some critics consider it a horror film, and I disagree with them, but one of the joys of Spencer is how open to interpretation it is. Lorraine is a Chilean-born director who broke through to international audiences with No, a 2012 film that received an Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. He also directed 2016's Jackie, which received three Oscar nominations, including for Natalie Portman for Best Actress. You can expect to hear Kristen Stewart's name come up quite a lot this award season. Spencer introduces itself as a fable based on a true tragedy. It's set around Christmas 1991, as Diana joins the rest of the royal family at their Sandringham estate and decides to leave for marriage to Prince Charles. Spencer is in theaters now. Pablo Lorraine, welcome to Movie Maker. I really enjoyed Spencer. It seems like you clearly had a lot of fun making this movie. It's an exciting movie. It's just a thrilling movie to see in a theater because you don't know what's going to happen even within the movie, which is really something I look for. Just to start, I know you've said that you look for films that you can find a personal connection with and that you can have a lot of fun with. Can you talk about your personal connection to this material? Um, well, uh, well, thanks for having, having me first. Um, look, I, I grew up seeing my mom, <laughs> being very interested on, on, on her. And, and, and then when she died in, in 1997, um, I kind of realized that my mom was one person out of hundreds of millions around the world. And I was like, why? Yeah. What is that that someone like Diana had that creates such an incredible empathy? What, what was the magnetism? Where, what, where was it coming from? Um, so then, you know, time passed. Um, I grew up. Uh, I became a filmmaker. And eventually I had the chance to to make a movie about Jacqueline Kennedy yeah. with Jackie. And, <clears throat> and after we made that movie, it felt like a right and interesting continuation to make a movie about Diana. Um, I didn't expect that the movie was going to turn out like this. When we started, I didn't know where, um, where exactly we were going to go, but I just felt that, that, that Diana was very mysterious and, 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 and that is interesting to cinema. And after two years of research and, and reading pretty much everything and anything that's around, that it's a lot, I, I realized that it was really impossible to know who she was, you know, and, and, and that is something wonderful um, because we think we know a lot. Uh, we think we have read a lot and, and there is obviously a lot around. There's even a musical right now on top of what everything else. Um, but the thing is that I don't, I don't think you can really capture her essence. And, and that is good for what we do. Um, and it's interesting because it, it, it leaves things open. And, and it, it, it's, it's an interesting door to fiction and, and to cinema, I think. You know, what you said about making this film in part for your mother, it did make me think you do really treat Diana as a mother in this movie in the sense that we all know our mothers, we love our mothers, but we also know our mother's flaws and we kind of love them in spite of those flaws. We kind of love those flaws. And I appreciated that you really 
didn't try to make her a perfect person. I mean, you you made her a person who sort of snaps at the servant sometimes and does things that are hypocritical. How important was it to just show her as a full human, including the flaws? Well, it's important then. She's not a superhero, right? And it's a fragile human that 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 can you know make mistakes and and can do things that whether she regrets them or learns from them. And but I think that's the thing. What you what you were saying, and it's that at some point we all need to, I guess, live with our own shit, right? With our own problems, with our own um crisis and 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 she had to embrace them and she had to understand that her future in that family wasn't going to be great and 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 she decides to leave and and there's something interesting that that happened making this movie because i i thought that we were making a movie mostly about identity and like with a you know with the background that it is their their royal family and and that narrative but I, as we made the movie, I realized that we were making a movie about motherhood. And that might seems quite obvious now, but I have to admit that it's, it wasn't in the top of my head when we started. And that, that happened thanks to, to those boys, you know, to, to the kids that are actually playing William and Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only when we shot their scenes, but it's weird and funny because because of COVID, they... We were shooting in Germany, so they couldn't fly back to England uh, because that the transit was complicated and the protocols and all that. So they basically stayed with us. So they would come to the set even the days that they weren't working, you know. So they would do their classes and the thing, and then they would come after. Um, they had probably other things to do and other places to go, but but especially Jack, the older one, would just come and hang around. And he would say, Pablo, can I just stay? I'm like, sure. And this, if, if he could, because of the content was good enough for his age he would be seated next to me in the video you know like just like with his feet on the monitor you know just like just like having a, i don't know a, a, a cookie or whatever and and he was very interested on 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 the on the filming process i was very curious and asking many questions and i have a son of of, of his age um and then i somehow saw myself reflected on on that kid you know and as a son to um and and also made me understand what are my limitations as a man when you're making a movie about a woman, you know, and 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 that's where Kristen became so relevant, you know. And I've worked with with uh, strong and wonderful uh, actresses before, and and I think I've done that as well in the past. When you you empower them and say, look, how what do you think about this? And and they would tell you, and and that you you have to follow them and understand that they have. A perception of the character that you would never be able to have, and 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 understanding those limitations is very healthy, and and then also I understood that eventually the best indication was the no indication and the good old silence. You know, when when it's working and she really has captured the role and, and is very empowered in it, you just let her go. And, yeah. yeah, and you have sequences in the movie that are incredibly colorful and driven by music and costume where I honestly was a little lost in the plot and it didn't matter. Like I felt closer to the character in those moments, almost than in the narrative moments, which I thought. What do you think? What do you think is the plot? 
I actually think this is a story of somebody realizing that there are all these rules and there are all of these things that you're supposed to abide by that you don't have to abide by at all. And I think the scarecrow is a beautiful metaphor for that because you have this character who is literally a stuffed shirt um, or a stuffed jacket who supposedly has all of this power and oversight looking out at a field, making sure that the crows don't come in or do anything. Um, and it's a, it's completely empty. I mean, it has no, it has no power at all. It only has power because we give it power. And I think that when she decides to sort of break free of her life, it's kind of your way of telling all of us that we don't have to follow those rules. Am I, am I close? Well, <clears throat> it's interesting what you're saying. It's, it's obviously one, one possible, um, attempt but what i think it is that uh, <clears throat> and, and 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 some people might be uh, i don't know frightened by 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 the idea that, that the plot is more existential you know it's more internal mm-hmm. and 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 the way i see it is is yeah you, you you're right and all those things are right but on top of that i would add that i think this movie it's about a woman that needs to understand that she can be whoever she wants by herself and by her own means. And that she doesn't depend on anyone, mm-hmm. whether it's a man, a family, an institution, and whatever that means. All those privileges, all those rules, the protocols, that history, that tradition, all that is not relevant when she has to find her identity and she has to eventually say, okay, look, I just don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to walk out that door and, you know, I'm going to find, I'm going to be who I am and who I want to be. <clears throat> and I won't give you, as you said, that power, right? I won't give you the power to tell me how to do and what to do, what to feel. And if, because I just can't, can't, I just can't be the person that you want me to be. Mm-hmm. I thought I could. And I tried really hard, but it's, it's enough. You know, and that's, I think, what the, the movie does. And and there are other, other plots and subplots that are more sort of efficient, uh, right? Uh, quote unquote efficient that, that help to put the movie together. Yeah. I think there's a great metaphor with parenting too, because as a parent, there's all these things that you think that you have to do. Like maybe we have to take the kids to church. Maybe we have to read them these specific books. And maybe you don't have to do that. Maybe you just have to raise happy kids and, you know, make sure they can survive on their own as independent people. So I find that interesting about the movie too. And, and also, you know what, what, what happens? <clears throat> you know what happened that is, is very interesting is that there's a point in the movie that she goes and asks for help to her kids, especially to, to the older one, to William. Yeah. And, and some people have told me, hey, why, why would she behave like a child in front of a parent in front of, instead of doing what, you know, to behave in the way that she has to behave? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? It's like, why is she going and knocking into his son's room and just telling him that that she's not well? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what is your relationship with your children, and I, it's not that I have done something like that because it's not my life, and and my life is completely unrelated to to her life. But I have found myself with my older daughter uh, having conversations that, you know, that I'm seeking from some sort of support. And, and, and she has the, you know, the, the intelligence and, and the, the sensibility to, to support me. You know, I think that that interaction is very relevant. It's not, 
a parent is not always someone that is, you know, educating and protecting. Sometimes, very few times, sometimes we could all go and, 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 and find that protection in, in our children. And that, that is a very interesting thing that, 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 that happens. And I think that in that scene, Kristen is incredible and, 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 and Jack, the kid that plays, uh, um, William is terrific, you know, and he's there to, to just to, to say, hey, this is, this is not right and, and you're not well, but how can I help? You know, and, 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 and that helps her and help her to understand how to move on. You're so amazing at lens choices and even film stock choices going back to the movie. No, what are some things that you did in this movie that you hadn't done in any movie before? Cause it is visually sumptuous, just gorgeous. Well, uh, first of all, um, working with Claire Mathon, <laughs> which is obviously very helpful. She's a, an incredible uh, cinematographer and, 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 and she has a, this sensibility that is very particular and, so, uh, and it was a great collaboration. I really, really admire her. And she brought a lot to, to the process and to the result. And I, I think that I've never combined 16 and 35 millimeter uh, in one film. And I think that I usually tend to have a visual perception of the film first and then try to connect that to the narrative, right? And this time I I worked really hard to be very, very focused on, on her and her perception of reality and her feelings. So that kind of mandated, you know, what we were doing. So besides on how the camera is moved and how <clears throat> the choice of lenses or film stock or or you name it, the framing, what we were looking for was always to feel what she was feeling and understand or try to understand her and to be close to her. And, and that is a very specific and internal process. Yeah. I think that really worked because I, you know, a lot of times a movie gets a certain amount of points just if the actor looks like the person they're portraying. And I don't feel like she really, I don't feel like Kristen Stewart really looks very much like Diana, but there were just facial expressions and there was body language and especially the lighting and the clothes where I've just never been more convinced that I was watching Diana than in any of the other portrayals of her, including The Crown, including all of the places where we've seen Diana before. I felt like this one was the closest to the real person. Can you talk about the things that you did to create that sensation? Or did you even care about creating that sensation? <clears throat> I, I, I do, of course. I, I, I care. And, 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 and I work with people that, that, that do things that I would never be able to do. And they're wonderful on, on it. Like, like Wakana, who does our hair and makeup. And, and then Stacy was the, the personal makeup to Kristen. Um, and of course, Jacqueline Duran for sure, our custom designer. And, but everyone does something, you know, and, and, and their angles and their, you know, uh, ways to look at her. We I tend to understand what were, you know, better angles. And, and, and a lot of things are, are very uh, relevant uh, in the process. Some of them are more artistic, other are more practical. Uh, and for sure, the work that, that Kristen had with William Conacher, who's um, uh, 
uh, was Kristen's uh, diet coach. Um, and that process was very relevant uh, from the mannerisms towards the, until, you know, including the, the accent itself and, and the way that she spoke. But it's not just an accent, it's a, a very particular way of talking and, and sort of uh, modulating and, and, and where's the voice coming from. Uh, and all that is it's 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 a very long process um and it and, and and i think Kristen was very focused and worked very hard but none of that would work uh for one second if if she wouldn't be in the right emotional space right. that is what actually lets you in and and lets you care about about her because all the other things um could help you to win a lookalike contest, right? Or to lose it, whatever, or, or get the second place, you name it. But but it's not really the movie. And, and the, the film, it's it's is to be able to enter that perception and that sensibility, um, but at the same time let you be a witness. So it's a it's a mix of of when you are inside of her. And when you're looking at her, but no matter what, you understand where is she. And I think that part of the operation to do that, you know, it's it's in the other actors too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't invent that, but but and you were just talking about power. Um, it's this, it's a Shakespeare idea, you know, that the king is being built by 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 everyone that it's around. Everyone creates the idea that that person is the king. So, like Tim Powell. Sally Hawking, uh, those two kids, um, Sean Harris, and, and you know the cast made us believe that we are in front of someone like Diana, and eventually the illusion of the movie can take you there. You, since you mentioned Sean Harris and some of the other amazing actors, you always position her with the quote-unquote commoners and with the servants. For I think about the first. I didn't have a watch, but 15 or 20 minutes of the movie, we don't actually see her sitting down with the other royals until dinner. You even skip the opening of the Christmas presents where you could have introduced the royals. Did you make a conscious decision to position her with the common people or the more common people? That that was uh, an entire idea that came from Steve Knight, a writer. Hmm. Uh, so I thought it was brilliant because... Um, the family becomes a background and becomes a representation of, of, of history and tradition. And, and the people that it's, as they call downstairs, right? The service, um, that they were actually very close to, to the real, uh, not all of them, but she had friends uh, there. Um, they, they are people that, that can sort of let her behave in the way that she's very truthful and and she's not like playing any roles. She's she's uh, she's just you know being who she is because because she doesn't have to prove anything to 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 them because they're friends. Especially Maggie, who's playing by Sally Hawkins, and eventually Darren, who's the chef, that's played by Sean Harris. And so it, I think it's a it's a very interesting idea. And then when the family comes in later in the story, whether the scene with the Queen or, or Charles, it's a, it's it, it, it's it's our, it's it, it's in a different dimension, and <clears throat> and they're there to have a different role. But but 
but yeah, I think it's Steve who who brought that in and 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 yeah. The use of food is so interesting too. Just the fact that she won't even eat among these people. It's it's like it almost seems like she thinks that if she eats their soup, she's buying into their entire system, their entire you know pageantry and royalty. Is that intentional? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, food is a, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting element in this movie because I mean, first of all, we all or if not all, but most of us get together at Christmas and we eat, right? We sit at a table and, and maybe, in, I don't know, in my case, uh, it's over two days. It's usually 24 and 25, right? And, 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 and you meet and, 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 and you have dinner and, or lunch. And it's like this, there's a celebration idea of, of being united on the table. And there's obviously food around, so that's one thing. And then another thing is that we wanted to show the opulence of 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 of, of what could look a place like that. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen the real Sandigan kitchen and and how many people works there. It's an incredible place. It's one of the most beautiful kitchens that I've seen in my life. It's <clears throat> and it's 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 huge and it's it's a it's it's very relevant for the operation of the house, you know, and and the rituals they have and the protocols and and how they eat and when they eat. And then <clears throat> third is obviously a very relevant element for the psychology of the character. We we know that Diana unfortunately suffered for from eating disorders, and we know that those eating disorders have an origin in in they're related in, in mental health distress right and um so the food also plays another role that it's 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 a little bit something that it's she has to struggle with mm. um so yeah and we work really hard it's it was a whole process to get it right uh, because in, in film usually the food that that you see is not made to be eaten Right, and it's just it, it has to look well and, and 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 play a role like like most things in a movie they're fake, but in here we needed to have that on a on a on an eatable level. So it, it was a very big challenge, and and we had experts on that, and obviously we had a guy guy Henrik Diaz who was overseeing that, and and it was a very relevant uh, process, and yeah, it's just a. Uh, the psychological threat and, and the menace of, of food and someone that just doesn't want to eat. Yeah. And I guess food is one of the only things that she can control in that context, which I thought was really interesting too. Um, very sad and very interesting. Very sad. It's very sad. Yeah. Can you talk about, I know that you try to have fun, creative fun, even when making these very artistic, difficult, complicated films. Can you talk about the spaces in this movie where you just had a good time, where you just really enjoyed yourself creatively? I had a lot of fun doing this movie. I was fascinated by, by the process. Usually when you make a movie, you know how long it's going to be. So <laughs> somehow you put your energy, it's like a marathon, marathon and, and, and you say, okay, it's going to be whatever, 10Ks, and you program yourself to, to get there. And, and, and probably when it's over, you're exhausted. Um, but this time I felt that I could have, you know, keep running or in this case shooting for 
way longer. I, I don't know why I was sad and 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 somehow frustrated that we had to wrap the movie. Of course, uh, uh, we did everything in in time and and it went well. But but um, I was just fascinated, you know, by by the actors and and Kristen and and the costume design, the places and 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 the possibility to to create this fable with such an incredible group of artists you know and and so I, I felt the density that we were telling and it obviously has an emotional weight on what you're doing but but it didn't uh, suffocate me or or complicate it it just gave me a, a good energy to to keep going and again if I could I would just go and shoot the movie again you know I, I had such a terrific time <laughs> I love that you call it a fable based on a true tragedy. I think that's a perfect way to explain it. And it gives you the freedom to include things that maybe just completely didn't happen. Did you worry at all about factual accuracy? Are there, are there, th normally I would say, are there things in the movie that were made up in this case, I guess I would ask, are there things in the movie that really did happen aside from the biographical location? Yeah. The biographical location. We know that they, that they split uh, over that period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and like like these kind of things, in, it never happened from one day to another. It's a process, but we wanted to compress it. Uh, we know that in 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 that year, the family that was there is pretty much the people that we have in the film. Mm -hmm. So the things that are curated, we know that you know <clears throat> that there's a protocol that they get in, they're waited, um, then they have dinner, and they they have all these activities. They end up hunting. And, and, and before hunting, they go to church and we, we know the structure and we know who was there. But of course, everything else is, is fiction. It's, it's just written by, by, by Steve Knight. And, and, and we thought that it was important to clarify that at the beginning of the film and, 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 and put it on screen. And, and, and actually it was Steve Knight who wrote that, 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 you know, a fable from a true tragedy, you know, that, that <clears throat> sort of show us um, what are we doing and what are our intentions? And, and we're saying, look, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And this is coming from the tools of um, fiction. And, 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 and that's our limitations. And that is, you know, our, you know, unlimitations, if that's possible to say, you know, it's both things. And yeah. yeah. Let me finish with this, and maybe this is too vague a question or a very obvious question, but do you like Princess Diana? I mean, as a person, based on what you know of her, do you find her to be a sympathetic character? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 because I, I grew up, I had different stages, you know, I, I thought she was, at the beginning, I thought she, when I was an adolescent, I thought she was weird. And then I thought she was beautiful and sexy. And then I thought she was interesting. And then I thought that, it's, uh, I, that, that she was uh, an incredible woman. And now I think that it's all those other things and, and, and a wonderful mother. So it's just, you know, it's an accumulation of process, but I do have admiration. And I, I was careful not to sort of make fun of the context as well, because, you know, there's some sort of an absurdity in, in, in the protocols and in the rhythms of, of, of things, you know, that if you want to make a little bit of a farce with that, it's possible. And, and, 
I didn't want to do that. I was very careful not to make fun, not only of her, but anyone in there. I think they're all going through a difficult situation that is just to play that role, to be in that family. Um, of course, they, they have privileges and they have all this access to these incredible things. And maybe many people would like to have that, um, I'm sure. But at the same time, it's a difficult role that, that they're expected to play. And, and, and they all want, maybe they would like to be more free, you know, and, and it's an interesting paradox. But I think she's, she's uh, very interesting and I, and I hope we, we honor that in, in this film. That was Pablo Lorraine, director of Spencer, in theaters now. I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker. You can visit us anytime at moviemaker.com. Check out the latest issue of Movie Maker magazine, which is, I think, quite good. I don't want to oversell it. It has Edgar Wright and Thomas and McKenzie on the cover. Our designer, Ryan Ward, did a lot of work into getting it just perfect. So check it out. Let us know what you think. You can email me anytime at tim.molloy at moviemaker.com. You'll also be doing us a huge favor if you'll subscribe to this podcast. And, you know, that's all I'm going to ask of you. I know that's kind of a lot already. So let's leave it there. Thanks so much. and See you back here very soon.